back, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Cameron Brooks Podcast, Above and Beyond. And so on this episode, I interviewed Kirby Kastner. Kirby is a former Army logistician. She started as a transportation officer, but she had maintenance time and executive officer time and, and planning and logistics time. She's a graduate from the military academy. She majored in mathematical sciences. And we just had a great conversation. She, she, we basically had a great conversation about her career up to this point. She started in a logistical planning role, and then she basically a year later took her boss's job as her boss was moving on, and then, and then found her, navigated her way to a remote position in a global supply chain role. And so a lot of our conversation centers around doing exactly that, managing your uh, career you know, navigating things. And so it's just, a, it's just a great conversation. Another great conversation about how to manage your career. And one of the, the interesting things um, that I asked her toward the end of the conversation, I said, okay, so where, where do you think you're going to go now? Or where would you take your career now? And basically she just said, I don't know. The, 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 um, the opportunities or excuse me, the possibilities are endless. And so it's just such an encouraging statement because it's it's exactly right. In corporate America, it's not all cut out for you perfectly. You have a lot of control on where you go and what you do. So again, a lot of the conversation centered in and around that. At the end of the conversation, she gave some great advice to those that are considering making a transition, advice that you can use right now to, uh, to continue to help prepare if indeed you're going to make a transition. Um, real quick, if you're interested in learning more about who we are, who Cameron Brooks is and what we do, you can go straight to our website, Cameron-Brooks.com. We put a lot of content on our website to help you learn more about a transition. We also have a robust YouTube channel. Um, we publish a, <clears throat> a book called PCS to Corporate America, it's actually in its fourth edition. So we continue to update and revise it for military officers as their transition. You can find that book on Amazon.com. So a lot of ways to learn about the transition. And we try as an organization to publish lots of content, including this podcast, that can help you learn more. So feel free to check that stuff out. Um, okay, um, without further ado, here's my conversation with Kirby. All right, Kirby, thanks so much for being on the podcast and taking a few minutes on this Veterans Day to uh, to meet with me. Hi, Pete. Thank you for the opportunity. All right. So let's kick it off. Let's start with just very quickly. We don't, we don't have to spend a ton of time on this, but I want those who are listening to know your background and where you came from in the military. So let's start there. Okay. Uh, so I commissioned as a transportation officer out of West Point, uh, spent all my time at Fort Hood and was in maintenance management as a platoon leader and maintenance control officer, uh, and then did some time as an executive officer uh, and ended my time in the military as a supply management officer um, with a brigade combat team at Fort Hood. Yeah, gotcha. And uh, why, just curious, why did you choose, I mean, you, you had lots of choices, obviously, for the military academy. Why did you choose um, transportation over anything else? I liked the idea of logistics. I thought that it mm -hmm. you know, was the foundation uh, of the Army. And with the knowledge that transportation, quartermaster, and ordnance all kind of are interchangeable. And as you can tell from my background, um, I did you know, get thrown right into maintenance, even as a, a mm -hmm. transfo officer. So you are, you're very versatile um, and can, can be connected to any units. Uh, so that was my thought without knowing too much about any of the branches. 
Do you see, and I'm getting a little bit of a head, getting a little bit ahead in the conversation, but do you see much interaction with what you did in the military? Not not necessarily from a leadership perspective, but more from a from a just kind of getting your hands dirty, whether it be maintenance or I don't know, training, readiness, logistics. How much of how much do you ever think like, gosh, I really have done this already once before. I'm going to use some of my skills in that way. Definitely in my first role at Boston Scientific, um, the the concept as a supply management officer of, hey, this tank doesn't go anywhere unless it has fuel, uh, translates pretty directly to this catheter does not get built unless it has all of its components. So for, at, with that basic principle mm-hmm. was definitely, mm-hmm. along with then just the operations leadership and the solving problems, thinking on your feet, that definitely translated, but there was an aspect of the technical piece too. I definitely want to get into that, but but again, that's a I, I don't want to go out of order because I really want to hear your path. I think really I get a lot of feedback from officers who listen to this podcast. They enjoy kind of hearing that the time in between, the very short time in between when you were in the military and when you started your career, and that is you know the transition, the conference, and some of those things. So I'm going to try to take you all the way back to the week before your career conference, if I can. And, okay. um, and I, it wasn't me, it was, it, was a, it was a conversation you had with my colleague, Joel Junker. And the only reason I know you guys had the conversation is because we take you know, copious notes. <laughs> we got notes on everything. And so I went and read some of the notes from our previous conversation. And uh, he was reading off companies that you were going to interview with in a week or two, I can't remember, relative to whenever the conference was. Do you remember that conversation? Probably, if you jog my memory. Um, I remember a lot of conversations leading up to it. Um, But yeah, I mean, that whole time is pretty fresh in in my memory, even though it's been a few years. Well, I just wanted to hear your thoughts. Like he he probably rattled off, I mean, I I don't know, probably rattled off eight, nine, ten companies that you were going to interview with at the conference leading up to the conference. And I'm just curious to know your what was your impression at the time, considering you really had no context. There was really no material. There was no backstory. It was just like, yeah, it's this company and that company and this company. What were you thinking at the time? I remember any time there was a name that was that I really recognized thinking like, oh, wow, that's cool. Um, and then there were a few that I had to go back and look up afterwards. And I was just, I mean, at that, you just, you don't know what you don't know. Um, so it was definitely name recognition and then thinking like, wow, these are some, these are some big opportunities that I I have ahead of me in the next week. Um, and kind of added to the, the, the nerves and the, the excitement right. for the conference. Do you remember if you knew who Boston Scientific was? I didn't. <laughs> You did not. I, okay, I so hope none of my, my colleagues listen to this. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not expected, right? You're a military officer. You're in a completely different industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, All right. So you came to the conference. You had 14 interviews. Most companies that you interview with said yes to you. They were interested in doing a follow-up interview. You chose to do four fo- follow-up interviews, and you actually received of those four follow-up interviews four offers. So you had lots to choose from. You had lots to choose from at the conference. You had lots to choose from in your follow-up interview process. Why did you ultimately choose Boston Scientific? Yeah. So the that first piece I mentioned about, you know, the translating my skills was definitely a piece of it. 
Um, and that's, I actually interviewed for two separate roles um, in my follow-up at Boston Scientific, uh, one being the production planner role that I took and then the other being production supervisor. Um, both I could have seen myself in, but so the being able to translate my skills into loosely into the role um, drove my decision because really you have all these different positions and you, until you're in them, you don't know. You, I mean, you can read the description on the mm -hmm. piece of paper, but um, so that that helps give me a little bit of kind of comfort. Um, mm -hmm. The the people that I that I met with uh, were all. I mean, especially um, the woman I interviewed with, who ended up who was going to be my boss. I was like, yeah, I could see myself working for her. And if this is the kind of the caliber of leadership that's here, then sign me up. And then finally, um, not just. Uh, Cassie, who I worked for, but the other interview teams, anytime we talked career growth, it was always, you know, you can go any direction you want. You can, uh, if you started as a production planner and then you decide, hey, now I want to go to production supervision, um, that is always on the table. We're going to try to put you in whatever path and, and get you the training and skills you need to go there. And so there's no one set path and there's all these different opportunities. I um, mean, even in Minnesota, there are three manufacturing sites all within 25 miles of each other. So there's mm -hmm. endless growth opportunities. Uh, and that is probably, you know, that was the other factor that um, drove me to choose Boston Scientific. And do you feel like, and now I'm really getting ahead because I do want to actually talk a little bit about your career progression, but has that lived up to the promise? You're not in, you're not even in Minnesota anymore. So I assume so, but yeah, did it live up to it? Above and beyond. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, okay. I couldn't even have fathomed that it would, it would go this way. Okay, I definitely want to get into that, but I, I want to, I'm going to table that, and I won't forget because I, I, it's so important, and I think it's something that most military officers like hearing about and want to hear about. So um, let me ask you, let me kind of pull on a couple of threads you just said as, as it relates to your decision, and just very quickly, there were, you, you were, and maybe these feel pretty obvious, or maybe they sound obvious, you were considering production planner, production supervisor. Can you briefly tell us the difference between those two things? Yeah, so production supervisor, uh, direct team leader uh, of a large team between you know 20 and 40 uh, operators on the production floor, uh, responsible for you know kind of a platoon leader essentially mm -hmm. um, of a a piece of a production floor, responsible for output and safety and efficiency. And then on the production planning side, um, you're supporting that, and you are you're creating you know, production schedules. You're ensuring that. Um, you have the right inventory levels. You're working with, um, specifically for Maple Grove, we supply a lot of components to other Boston Scientific sites. So you're kind of a little face of customer service to those other sites to ensure uh, they have the right supply. So that's kind of gotcha. the, that's the difference. Let's talk, a, I know you, didn't, you weren't in the role, but I think most people, when they first hear about manufacturing, they have, uh, not most, I don't, I don't know what the, don't, maybe that's not an inaccurate term, but I know a lot of people have a large misperception of what manufacturing is. I think a lot of people think manufacturing is dirty and, you know, sparks and dust and sweat <laughs> and <laughs> just, you know, challenges in that regard. And it's like, well, you know, I'm leaving the military. I don't want to get back into, you know, being dirty all the time. Can can you dis I know that's not true. Can you dispel that myth for us? And that is not true at all. Um, and at Boston Scientific, and uh, this is my first view of manufacturing, um, it is high tech. It is um, the opposite of dirty. It is as clean as you can get because these are devices that are going into the human body. 
Um, it is innovation is at the top of mind, um, trying to find the, the best and most efficient ways to do things. Um, and so as a production supervisor, you are not out there um, you know, with the sparks flying. You are, um, it's, it's a very highly trained group of people who are assembling these devices. And you're always trying to find a way to make just one more in that set amount of time you have during the day and to do sure. it safely and at the lowest cost. One of, one of the things, and, and I talked to a lot of people about the integrated supply chain, and this maybe starts, starts to bleed into the work that you've had, but one, uh, the work where you actually did start about scientific, but uh, one of the things we talk a lot about is every, every company who makes a product is somewhere on a lean journey, and that really kind of relates to you saying, can we make just another one in the allotted time that we have? How much focus is, is placed on continuous process improvement. You use the word innovation, which is not dissimilar, I think. Um, just give us an overview of, of that component of the type of work that we're talking about. That is a, a massive focus area and emphasis um, for BSC, and, so, and not just on the production floor, too. So you have your traditional lean manufacturing, um, trying to eliminate waste and you know, do just what I said, lower cost and, and build more. Uh, and that leads out into the overhead and the, the support functions as well. And so we call that lean, lean business process. So not only are we trying to build more product in that a lot of time, we are trying to be more efficient in our day-to-day -day professional support jobs as well. So as a production planner, how can I make my daily process leaner and then have more time to work on a special project or get out to the floor to, to meet with the production supervisors or make my day more efficient. So it is, it is number one, and we, we have meetings every week uh, on continuous improvements and talking about new ideas and, and working on those projects. So it's a huge emphasis. Because I think that people, when they hear the word lean, they intuitively think, oh, okay, let's just eliminate, you know, cut, cut away the fat maybe. Maybe that's a good way to think about it. You know, cut away the, the inefficiency of a process, which, which I guess in essence would not be inaccurate. But, but it's so much, in my mind, in my experience, it's so much more technical from a procedural and process orientation. So did you receive training on that? How were you, how were you educated on the formality of lean and process improvement? We do have um, internal training. So, and, and it was one of the, the best trainings that I've taken at Boston Scientific. For, uh, so for lean essentials, that's uh, a full eight-hour day course. Um, and you eventually, at the end, you're using little Legos to simulate a manufacturing line um, and create the, the most optimized uh, production line you can. And it's actually, it's very, very helpful. Um, and I, my feedback to my manager was, this was, I think, three months in. I was like, why couldn't I have taken this on day one? Um, but of course, they want you to get familiar with what's going on uh, before they send you in. And then we also have a lean business process training that helps you as a support function with your, your business processes to say, how can we you know, look at our current processes, uh, assess them, and then make them better. So a lot of internal training provided. And then you can go even further into, so it's, those are multi-step processes. You can take a training on just one specific step of that as you become more and more interested and um, kind of further in with Boston Scientific. Yeah. So how, how much lean or Six Sigma train? Obviously, your, your last job in the military, and I'm looking at your your resume that you brought to the Cameron Brooks Conference right now, it talks about forecasting, managing distribution, parts return program, forecasting fuel supply requirements. So 
probably not, as you said earlier, not dissimilar to the work that you started doing about scientific. Did you have any lean or Six Sigma training? Did you engage other than maybe reading a book or so? No formal training whatsoever. So yeah, that's great. I'm glad. I'm glad you said that. It was a little bit of a leading question, but I was hoping you would say that because <laughs> um, because I think a lot of people in the military look at certificate certifications the way they look at their you know building an OR uh, um, some sort of, uh, you know your personal jacket in the army it's officer record brief ORB with all your awards and you know your assignments and all the things that you've ranked and all this other stuff um, and so we we tend to look at a Lean Six Sigma certification or a project major certification whatever it might be as a let me put another thing on my resume on my ORB so to speak so I can look more marketable so how valuable do you think it would have been? I know there's value in it, but I want to speak to how I want to speak to the va the true value of let's say you were in the army doing field distribution and you got certified or you at least took a class in lean. How, do you think that would have helped you? How valuable would that have been relative to what you know now? I I mean honestly, I think it maybe would have saved like 1 hour to 2 hours of confusion as I was trying to learn these processes, but the training is all there. It was, it was all, um, you know, it's standard. It's for every Boston Scientific employee. It wasn't just because I was coming in um, from the military that I, re I received it. Um, the, it's valuable for sure if you have the time and you, then you want that um, background, it can only help. Um, sure. But the on-the-job the on training provided and the, and the internal BSU training provided me all the skills that I needed, in my opinion. So you didn't you didn't have much interaction with that. Then what what helped you be successful in the interview? If you didn't have anything on your resume, which you don't, um, that says you've been taking a class or been certified in Lean or Six Sigma, what do you think was the when you were obviously had a winning strategy at the conference and the follow up interview process? What do you think that was? Talking through concrete examples. Um, and I mean, there are probably a couple times when I may have rambled a little bit too far into that concreteness. Uh, in the details, but that that is, I think, what what earned me um, the follow-up interviews and offers was being able to articulate my methodology, my thought behind making decisions, and all of those different you know resume bullets from from my military career. Uh, and now, you know, on the flip side, I have interviewed numerous candidates for multiple positions um, since I've been with Boston Scientific, and that truly is the way, to me, the only way that you can understand if a candidate. Um, could be successful in whatever role that they're interviewing for is to hear their methodology and details and examples. And it can be, again, you know, military, not the same as med device manufacturing, but that methodology and that thought process is what connects between the two. So good. I, uh, I'm going to put an exclamation point on that because I think a lot of times in the military, there's some sort of bar mental barrier between telling the story, you know, giving a lot of exactly what happened versus telling the story as kind of the underpinning to the methodology and the motivation for how and why you did. How and why is true. This is what you're saying. How and why is the moneymaker in an interview? Just giving, telling the story of this is exactly what happened without any interaction to the how and the why, the motivation and the methodology is, is too shallow. Is it what you're saying? Is it what I hear you saying? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. 
So good. Thank you for saying that. I, I didn't expect this conversation to go down the interview practice <laughs> line, but I just <laughs> this is where it went. All right. So let's let's talk very briefly um, about your first job first job at Boston Scientific because it kind of leads me into the promotion that you took. And so maybe maybe uh, you know real high level, thirty second or a minute long. What what was your daily? Okay, you started at Boston Scientific. You got all trained up. What was your daily routine like? What did that daily job entail? So as a production planner, I was responsible for about 600 individual um, parts, and they were actually, they were polymer extrusions, the tiny little straws, for lack of a better description, um, that were used in uh, multiple, you know, many, many, many of our products. And so my day consisted of going out to the production floor in the morning um, to to check in, you know, have your daily daily meeting to understand what's going on on the floor, what's happening that day, what issues do we have, um, creating a schedule. Uh, for the following week, so that was usually the first half of the week, then you meet with the production team um, to get that schedule signed off on. Um, so then at the same time, I'm monitoring inventory levels, I'm you know, firefighting as needed, things are always going to happen, um, you know, the, a machine goes down, we're not going to make our anticipated goal for the week. Uh, and then I'm also coordinating with, uh, we supplied plants in Costa Rica, Ireland, and Indiana, where my main um, internal customers. And so I'm always working with the production planners at those plants to, to make sure they have the right supply, what do they have coming up, looking at their forecasts. Uh, and then with whatever time is left over, uh, working on continuous improvement projects, whatever that may be, um, you know, looking at our, our monthly planning process, the, the slides that we're using, the reports that we're using, is there a better way to do it, a faster way to do it, uh, was how I filled the rest of my time. How are you it's really good. So, you know, you, it, I want to talk about how you feel the rest of your time, as you just said. Um, you know, you, you had a daily responsibility. You had some, you know, pro probably bullets as, you know, in a job description, here are the things you've got to do. And, and here's how you're being accounted to from a metric perspective, key performance indicators, whatever it might be. But then you said, here's how I filled the rest of my time. And sometimes I feel like in the military, there's not an emphasis or an impetus to fill the rest. If you have free time, it's kind of like, good, I got a little free time. I can kind of kick back. Mm -hmm. How were you, why were you doing that? Were you being held accountable to that? What What was the driver behind, you know, I'm here at work. I, be, I should be productive. What was the driver behind getting some of those things done? So I was lucky one that my manager uh, was the lean business process champion for the whole site. Uh, so I learned from the best. Uh, and so she really pushed our team to uh, to find better ways to do our our day to day work. Uh, so it was typically if we as a team were talking through what do we want to see that could be better, it was someone would raise their hand and say, "Well, I'll work on that. I'll work on that." You typically maybe would team up in groups of two or three. Um, so any you know projects like uh, safety stock levels. You know, there are many different ways that I, at the time, didn't know because I don't have any traditional supply chain background on how you can calculate a safety stock level. You know, what's the minimum amount of inventory we want to hold? So I would, you know, it was one learning for me. I could get schooled up on this quickly uh, and then contribute to, well, I think this is the best way to do it from my last six months of planning. Um, and it was, so you're learning and then you're finding a better way uh, to do something. And it was, so it, it was beneficial to me also to be working on those projects. It also sounds like you were working around a group of people who all wanted, 
I know this is going to come off like a negative sounding question in the, in the, on the other side of this coin, but who all wanted to be there, who are all motivated to, you know, for excellence and, and high productivity and those things, right? <laughs> I guess that's an assumptive yes. question. <laughs> that, that is absolutely correct. So fun to be around um, my peers on that team. They were all so smart, had you know, unique backgrounds in supply chain and production planning and learned so much from them. Um, and it was a great team to work with. Yeah, yeah. All right. So tell us how you then, were then promoted. I, I assume this was a promotion and I was just taking it from your LinkedIn profile, but it goes from um, production planner to senior. No, no, sorry. To manufacturing planning supervisor. Right. Am I thinking about that right? Yes. Yep. That's correct. And so um, what, what's the new role? Yeah, what's the new role look like? So that was taking my manager's position. So she, uh, after a year, uh, she was on kind of a development track to kind of hit a bunch of different um, functions. So she was moving on to be a production manager and uh, kind of pulled me aside and said, I'm going to be taking this new role. Would you be interested in um, interviewing for my role? I think this would be a good fit for you. Um, because if I just, you know, to throw this in, during all of our uh, development discussions, which, again, is another um, huge um, benefit of Boston Scientific or what I really enjoy about the company is I had FaceTime with my manager every single week on the calendar to talk about not just a daily update, but my development, where do I want to go? So she was always asking me what's next, and I told her I really enjoy people leadership. So I think that's something that I would like to incorporate into my next role. Uh, so her knowing that and then having a successful year as a planner um, said, hey, I think this would be a good fit. And so I interviewed for the, the role and was really excited about the opportunity and was lucky uh, to be given that opportunity. This may be a dicey question. And if you don't want to talk about it, we don't have to. But I mean, I'm sure there, there were other people with more experience than you in that in the in the initial role as a production senior production planner who could have done the job. I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to put, I'm trying to think through that. You've been in the job for a year. You're coming from a completely different industry and now you're doing your boss's job leading, I assume, leading your peers. Yes, that is exactly what I was doing. And so it was, there were some nerves around that is how, how would some of these, uh, some of my peers take it. Um, but I think, you know, I was a, I was a team player for that entire year and they knew that, that people leadership was a, a big piece uh, of what I enjoy. And there were some, some members of the team who didn't want to lead people and they wanted to, they were very, very smart and, and great at um, the individual contributor role at planning. Um, and I mean, it would, it all worked out that very well yeah. as I took over the team and just, you know, I, I know I've been in your guys' shoes. I know what you're going through. I know the, the day-to-day challenges. And so let's tackle this together. Uh, I want to back up for just a moment. You you had a, like like you said, and I've heard you say it multiple times, you obviously hold your former boss in very high regard. Um, and she was made it a, made it a point to calendar time on a regular basis. I think you said weekly to not only talk about the day to day, but to talk about um, um, career progression and succession and things of this nature. Um, that is not, always the case in people's experience. And, and I don't know what it's like in your experience right now, this moment in your current role, but can you speak to, and, and, and this is where I want the conversation to go from a, from a career progression perspective, can you speak to, 
and this is a pretty broad question, but managing your own career. You know, in the Army, you had someone manage it for you. It was your branch manager, and you just, you know, kind of went along in a, I, I, this may sound negative, but a little bit of a conveyor belt way. You just, if as long as you did a pretty good job, you could kind of just keep, keep on the path. Yep. Can you talk about career management a little bit and your experience thus far? So it's, I mean, it is true that there's, we, you know, we play a huge part in, in managing our own career. And a piece of that is looking at what everyone else is doing. So as I was in the plant and interacting with production supervisors, production managers, uh, buyers in the purchasing group, um, any other, you know, function, a global supply chain was another very closely related function. Kind of, you, know, you get to know those people and you see what they're doing in their day to day and you kind of ask them, what do you enjoy about this? What do you not enjoy about this? So it's looking at what other uh, roles are out there and thinking, is that, is that something that I want to do? Um, because again, they're really, I mean, at Boston Scientific, there's no one direct path to get to wherever, wherever it is you want to go, um, whether that is plant manager or, or whatnot. Um, so just looking to see what would I enjoy? How would this add to my skill set? And then you bring that up with your manager. So you've got the, that FaceTime, that question is being asked. What do you want to do next? What are you enjoying about what you're doing? Uh, what do you not like so much? Uh, and then that kind of frames up. And, and I mean, then your manager will, will help you on the other side of, hey, I heard there's a role opening up over in whatever function it is. Is that something, you know, is now the time? Is this something that you should be thinking about applying for? So there, if you're if you're doing your homework and you know what you what you might want to do, um, or at least what you like and don't like, then your manager will help kind of find those uh, and keep you moving up um, in the company. What if you don't have a manager who, you know, what if you don't have your manager? <laughs> what if you don't yeah. have a manager who's not either offsite? And I know a lot of people, not a lot, I mean, there's a group of people that go into roles where their manager isn't even on their site. So they don't have a lot of face time with the manager, or maybe their manager's not as good at helping, um, and not, you know, because the other side of that coin is managers don't want to lose really high, high quality, talented people because, quite frankly, it degrades the quality of their team. And there's kind of yeah. always a yin and yang with things like that. And so what, what do you think? And this may be a little bit of speculation on your part, considering it sounds like you've had great managers the whole time, but how does someone navigate that? I guess then you just, you cut out that piece of the manager going and looking for roles for you. And if, I mean, I just internally at BSC, there's a careers webpage, right? So you can go in and you can search anything and see all the internal postings. So if you're still doing your homework, which you would need to anyway, even if you have mm -hmm. a manager who's, who's looking for those opportunities, um, you know what you're looking for, and then you kind of you track what's open on the careers page and just talk to people. And I mean, even if it's not your manager, if you mention to someone else that's something you're interested in, they will they'll come back to you. They'll think of you. Um, that you know, not just sitting in in your cube all day long and and plugging away. You know, getting out and talk, meeting other people and and working on cross functional projects, that sort of thing. Like they will, those other individuals will remember you um, for roles in the future. So good. The exclamation point that I want to add to this is, is two things. One that you're saying is one, you have to manage your own career because you don't have a branch manager or a detailer or whatever service <clears throat> someone's coming from. You have to do it yourself. And sometimes it's a little bit easier than other times. Sometimes you have a great boss who's really willing to help you get to where you want to be. And other times, frankly, you may not. But it doesn't change the fact that you've got to manage your career. And the second thing, and you said this right at the end, is you didn't quite say it this way, but you've got to build a network. 
You've got to, you know, volunteer for projects. You've got to seek people out. I mean, that is a huge part of career management, right? I mean, I, I, I guess, you know, preaching to the choir here, but maybe you could tell us a little bit about some of the people that you did seek out. Yeah, no, so I absolutely was trying to say that. Uh, I was attempting to do it without saying you need to network because I know everyone hears that uh, a bunch of different ways. Um, yeah, so what I, I did, I luckily as a planner, you are incredibly cross-functional, right? So all those different functions I've already named, production, purchasing, global supply chain, uh, you're even working with engineering on certain projects. So I'm, I'm meeting a lot of different people, and if you – you do good work and you're a team player and contribute to whatever that initiative is, then someone, when they think of you, like, oh, that they're, they're a good planner. They, they do a good job. Um, so for me, I mean, I stayed within the same function for my first change in roles. And then um, as, you know, get to, I got to almost my three-year point in the company and I'm deciding to make a personal cha um, move so my now husband had been up in Minneapolis with me going to school and was graduating, and we wanted to relocate back to the East Coast um, to get married and you know, start a family in the future. And that was you know, very sad for me because I didn't want to leave Boston Scientific, but it was the right move for my, my personal life. Um, and I mentioned this to my manager at the time, and he's like, well, let's get your resume out there. Let's see what remote options there are. You know, we're, we're becoming much more virtual and we're a global company. Um, and so he and my HR business partner just started circulating my, my resume and my, you know, she's, she's moving to Richmond, Richmond Virginia, uh, who has a role that, you know, her skill set would fit into and that you would be open to having her sit remotely. And that landed me my current role as a um, pro project management supervisor. So it really, you know, proving myself and my abilities and doing a good job on a day-to-day -day basis earns you that that recommendation from your manager and others. Uh, and so people were willing to, managers were willing to take a chance um, on me in a remote role, which is growing, but not incredibly common. Um, I think it, it's definitely growing, but it wasn't, there weren't a lot of remote options open at the time, I guess I just I had a conversation with uh, with a guy who came to the conference three or four years ago. He was back at our our November conference and um, a different company. And he he's from Texas. His wife's from Texas, and they started their career. Or he started he started his career in Boston. And like you, he has done a great job for the organization, and he has a professional network. So it was kind of time for them to start navigating their way back to, in this case, Texas. And I'm telling you, your your story is not unique. This guy's name's Ben. His story's not unique in that if you do a good job for the organization, if you're a valuable contributing member of the team, the, the company's invested, you, invested in you, they would hate to lose you. They are, I mean, it doesn't always work, obviously, but Man, companies don't want to lose high quality and very talented people, and they're going to find a way to make it work because you bring value to the organization. And so in this case, I mean, so you said remote. So does that mean you go into an office? Do you office in your home? Like now what do you do? I have a home office. I'm sitting in my home office as we speak. 
Um, so I only go on site, you know, to a Boston Scientific office if I am traveling because there is nothing. Uh, I think there might be a small sales office in the D.C. area potentially, um, but, you know, nothing around here. So I'm fully uh, in a work from home role with, um, you know, travel ebbs and flows, but somewhere between, you know, 25 percent to 50 percent, you know, on occasion travel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what do you, there's a couple questions here. What do you specifically do? What, now, what does your day-to-day look like? Yeah, so I, I switched gears a lot. Uh, I stepped from the, the manufacturing operations environment up to a global role. Um, my my project management team, um, so the greater global project management group covers any every any and every uh, large scale project within the company but my team specifically is distribution integration so we work on acquisitions and bringing those products into the Boston Scientific distribution network and the order to cash process so any from when the customer places an order for the product all the way until um, Boston Scientific receives payment that is our scope of work um, so currently, um, BSC, BSC just acquired BTG, uh, a very large um, medical device uh, company based out of the UK. And so I'm working on a subset of, they had many products, so it's basically like four acquisitions in one. Um, so I'm working right now to bring a couple of those products into the, the BSC network. Wow. Man, that sounds real. I know everyone, I assume everyone listening to this is like, wow, that sounds pretty there are, pro- there are probably questions if that people are listening to this, but that is pretty amazing. And so how how busy, I mean, I, I'm sure you use the expression ebbs and flows. I'm sure the busyness of life in your job ebbs and flows similarly, but how busy do you find yourself on a kind of consistent basis? Yeah, my, my days are full. They are, it is a eight hour plus work day um, for sure. Uh, so we, we typically, we lead a project um, in our group. And then we also uh, will either be leading a smaller project or participating on a smaller project. So to get myself into the role, I was given uh, a work stream, if you will, of a larger product project to lead and just understand, you know, watch my peers, see how it's all done. Cause this, this was a, I would say even a stretch assignment for me. Um, no traditional project management training. I mean, we are we are traditional project managers, and I had done smaller scale things uh, in my my planner and supervisor role, but nothing to this scale. So I took the time to learn what are we doing, um, do some training on project management, understand that methodology. Uh, so if I'm not you know, leading cross-functional calls with a global team to to just check on project status or solve problems, I mean, the majority of this. Uh, role is solving problems. So, hey, this this product product doesn't have the same label as we do. So, what changes mm-hmm. do we have to make to it to mm-hmm. get it to make sure it can flow through the distribution channel? So, that's a piece of it. And then the other half is uh, I'm supporting a project uh, to kick off the first third-party logistics relationship um, that Boston Scientific has in the United States. And so, it's um, that's a little more of operations management. It was very fun. Um, to coordinate the movement of a lot of material in a lot of different sites and consolidate it down to one. Um, so just a lot of new stuff for me right now. So it's it's busy because I'm I'm doing it and then I'm also trying to learn it uh, at right. the same time. Right. Um, 
I know a lot of people, not a lot, so there are people who come to Cameron Brooks thinking, hey, I'd like to get out of the military and work in a job exactly like the one you're in now. But companies don't hire JMOs to be, you know, <laughs> super autonomous and work from home, or I should say work remote. That's a better way to say that. Um, but it's really special that you're doing that type of work right now. It's not something that, again, we just don't see a lot of that because you have to learn the business, you have to learn the culture, you have to build a network and some other things, but it's really special that you're in that role right now. It sounds very interesting. It's very exciting. It's a great opportunity. Uh, where do you see your career going next? I mean, I, I, that may be an, a very premature question at this point in the game. So you know, maybe you can just speak broadly, like what's, uh, how will things go from here, do you think? Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, up to this, it's already taken, you know, my three-year career with the company has taken lots of turns already. Um, so I certainly want to grow in this role. Um, I'm, you know, in as the, at the entry level of project manager. Um, so I'd like to, to grow, to get larger scale pro projects, build an even bigger network. Um, I kind of started from, from ground zero on, on a network within this global distribution space. Um, so working more on, on building that network and understanding what's going on at a global level. Um, distribution strategy is something I'm interested in. Um, mm -hmm. So as the possibilities are endless, really, I think at this mm -hmm. point. And with, with the company being so global and remote work um, becoming more prevalent, I could see myself, you know, growing either as a project manager or eventually I really enjoy people management. Um, trying to maybe have some direct reports in the future. Um, that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. So encouraging. It is so encouraging because, you know, it, to use the expression that you just said, the possibilities are endless. And I said, where do you see yourself going? I don't know. <laughs> I just love that <laughs> because in the military, it's like, no, I'm going to be here in five years. And, and you're saying, my goal right now, this moment is to get as good as I possibly can in my job and build a network. And that's a resounding theme in this conversation up to this point. It's exactly what you've did the whole, what you've done the whole time. You've done, you've worked hard and built a brand for yourself. And it wasn't for self aggrandizement. It was because you're out there being a leader and doing, and being a leader doesn't necessarily mean leading people, right? It's leading in the function of the work that you're doing and building a professional network. So, so encouraging. Matter of fact, that's going to be, I don't know, it's going to, this is the title of this podcast in some way, shape or form. Like, where do you <laughs> see yourself going next? I don't know. <laughs> because, because it's really encouraging, frankly. Um, so very good. Okay. We are butting, butting up against it. I know you've got things to do in your day. And so final question, we're skipping all the way down to the bottom. Unfortunately, we just didn't get the time to get all the questions that we had come up with, but that's why I love these podcast I never get to the end of all the questions because it's just fascinating to hear what people are doing and certain certainly Kirby what you're doing so final question all the way at the bottom of the list here parting advice to transitioning junior military officers okay I've thought a lot about this one um, so one uh, talk to those who have gone before you right so I know for myself, if, if I ever get a LinkedIn message or an email or whatever it is, Facebook message from someone saying, hey, I'm even considering working with Cameron Brooks, or I'm about to go to the conference, anywhere in between, um, can I just pick your brain on the process or on what you're doing now? I'm always open to discuss, and I, I'm, I, Boston Scientific specifically has tons of JMOs from Cameron Brooks and other 
um, you know, ways of getting in the company, and they are always open to talking to people. So do that. It will give you a sense of comfort going into the conference or just give you a little bit of a baseline as to what life looks like in the corporate world. Um, two, keep an open mind on, on roles and companies. I think I said it earlier, you, you can read a job description on a piece of paper and you can never know what that day in a life looks like until you're there. Um, so I'm hoping that my experience with Boston Scientific thus far can show, you know, if you, you start in one role and it, maybe it's not even the best fit, you, you do a good job, but you say there's aspects of this that I don't want to do, I want to get into, uh, instead of planning, I want to be a production supervisor, that's there and you've, you've proved that you are valuable um, and the company will get you to where you can, you're most successful and also enjoying what you're doing. So don't uh, you know, go into a conference and say, I know I exactly want to be this title, because that title also can mean a bunch of different things at a bunch of different mm -hmm. companies. So I mm -hmm. think that's what, that's going to be my, like, my one, my biggest takeaway is keep an open mind to roles. You really don't know what it is until you're doing it. Um, do a good job, even if you don't if it's not the, what you thought it was going to be, because the, the company will want to keep you and will find um, the best fit for you. So good. Man, and, uh, it's just a great conversation. I really appreciate the time. I know that, uh, that you know, what, I, what I'm taking away from the conversation, where, where we ended up going is really about managing your career. I definitely appreciate walking through some of the some of the, the kind of manufacturing and some of the things you did from a planning perspective earlier. Um, but where we landed was really the ownership of your career and managing your career. And it's sometimes this theme is this, def, this theme is definitely recurring in this podcast, but it's so important because it's so vastly different from um, people's experience in the military, mine, yours, everyone's. And so, um, Kirby, thank you. I really appreciate you taking a couple minutes here with us today. I'm excited for folks to hear this podcast. I'm very happy to share. This is very fun. Thank you, Pete.